Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Paul Schoberg, the broker owner of True North Realty, a residential real estate firm located in Great Falls, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. Paul destroys the myth that real estate agents can't have a secondary source of income and be successful. He manages the technical implementation and profit and loss on an information technology project with over 50 employees on behalf of the largest defense contractor in the world. And he still excels in real estate, with five years in a row on the Northern Virginia Association of Realtors multi-million dollar sales club. Let's welcome Paul to the show as we join our host, Tim Harris. Mr. Schoberg, really appreciate your time. We've been trying to get you on the radio for quite a while. Um, so we noticed a big shift in a lot of the coaching students that were joining um, our university probably about eh, 18 months ago. A lot of folks that had uh, been in real estate for a while um, and uh, maybe were, had gone during the recession, gone and gotten jobs, and now we're figuring out how to get back into real estate. And we'd offer a lot of free coaching calls to them, and I'd always suggest to them that, listen, if you have a great job that you're making a good steady income at, why do real estate, why would you quit that job? Why would you not just basically do both? And a lot of them have the belief that you couldn't do both at the high level, but today's guest proves that it's simply not true. So, Paul, for that and for all the other things we're going to share with the listeners today, I really appreciate you being my co-host. Well, Kim, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to share my experiences and uh, answer any questions that you might have for me. Absolutely. So let's just kind of drill down. We, you and I have a lot of questions we've written out, things that we've talked about that we're going to cover with the listeners. But you, and the description, you do destroy the myth that you can't be a successful part-time agent. Do you mind if we put some numbers behind that just so that the listeners who are skeptics out there who are not true believers, they can understand that you actually can do both at a high level? I mean, we don't need to talk about your job, um, but let's do, can we share with them some of your real estate numbers? Sure. We can definitely do that. All right. So um, here's the, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. No, I was just going to say, um, I, I basically equal, for, since 2010, I pretty much equal my full-time job in, in salary and in earnings. Um, I usually do between 3 and $6 million in sales, and uh, I have a lot of fun uh, interacting and providing value back to my clients. Well, so you're able to work, and your normal job is not 40 hours. It's way more than 40 hours a week, true or false? True. Okay, and you have a family with how many children? I have four kids, eight, six, uh, three and a half, and one and a half. That's a good quiz on ages. I, I'm still wrapping my mind around having one kid, let alone four. <laughs> um, I like the and y- Yeah, exactly. So you are balancing your schedule in such a way that you're working your normal job, and then you're doing real estate kind of when you're not working, and yet you're still, I know, family is probably your primary motivator. I mean, the reason you're working so hard is because you're focused on taking care of your family. That's the thing, the recurring theme on all of our coaching calls. 
that that's what really truly motivates you. So how do you do it? How do you balance everything? How do, share with the listeners, those out there who want to know how they can keep their normal jobs and keep that secure paycheck, and at the same time follow their dreams of being in real estate. That is a great question. So I, I'm really big on prioritization, and I'm very, very routine-driven. So um, I start my day very early, as I think uh, statistics show that most successful people do. They start very early. Um, I'm usually at my desk at 7 a.m. Um, I'm answering emails. I'm lining up my calendar for the rest of the day. I'm also very big on time blocking. Uh, I time block a lot of my time. I protect time on my calendar for real estate and for family. And I'm constantly prioritizing all the different demands of my life, whether they be personal, whether they be professional with the uh, contracting job, or whether they be real estate related. Can we give some more? Can we drill down on what you just said? I understand, obviously, you know what you said, but I want to help really give these people some practical, our listeners, some practical, you know, drill down walkway information. So when you say you have a routine schedule, when you have you do time blocking, you do all these things. We've all heard these terms before. Do you mind sharing with us your typical weekly schedule? Not a problem at all. So a typical day for me uh, starts usually between 5.30 and 6 a.m. Uh, I live relatively close purposefully to uh, my work location. And so I wake up early. Um, I do my morning routine. I typically eat the same thing every morning for breakfast. I walk the dog at the same time every morning. Uh, and I'm at my desk at 7 a.m. Uh, I work through whatever the daily schedule for, for my uh, job is that day. Um, being in a software development project, a lot of our business rhythms are defined, and so my meetings are the same time every week um, uh, with pretty, pretty much certainty. Um, that changes from time to time, and I have to be flexible. But for the most part, everything is uh, very routine-driven. Uh, so I work uh, from 7 a.m. usually till 3.30 p.m. is the early side, and 5.30 p.m. is the later side. Um, and then I reserve um, dinner time and bedtime. So uh, we have a pretty structured life at home as well. Uh, all four kids are usually in their beds between 7 and 7.30. doesn't necessarily mean they're asleep, but they're in their beds. Uh, and I always try to eat dinner with my family. I probably am successful in that probably 90% of the time. Um, so I eat dinner with my family. I put my kids to bed. Um, and, and then I get to real estate immediately afterwards. Why does having that discipline of the schedule, why is that important? Because, Paul, you don't know this uh, because you're used to being scheduled and you're used to having discipline and, you know, in your, your regular, you know, your normal J-O-B. I mean, you certainly have your required – we're not going to get into it. We're not going to talk about what you do at, at your J-O-B, um, but it's not something that um, you can do passively. So the scheduling, the discipline, the daily accountability, the having the daily minimum standards of what you're going to do every day, how important has that been to your continued success? It's extremely important. And I would say, you know, maybe a quarter of it or a third of it comes naturally to me. Uh, my dad was military. I'm used to kind of waking up and being very regimented. Um, but the rest of it are things that I've just picked, over, picked up over time. Uh, as successful habits, just things to consistently do to constantly be moving the ball forward direction in as many different parts of my life as I can. All right, so let's talk about when you do the lead generation. Let's talk about, because really you're not, you don't get a, a lot of transactions. Matter of fact, off the top of my head, I can't really think of any transactions that you get from your normal job, even though I know you stealthily and respectfully and tactfully, uh, obviously, offer your services to anyone at where you uh, normally work. But as far as lead generation, 
Um, how do you incorporate that into your weekly schedule? Can you tell the listeners about that? Sure. Um, I do time block it, actually, a lot of it. But um, I am an extreme extrovert, so I, I could get away with purely uh, referral-based business. Um, I could probably grab lunch and drinks with my sphere of influence and new leads on a daily basis. And if I could survive off that, I would love that. That would feed right into kind of my natural tendencies. Um, but that really isn't realistic. Um, I do do a fair bit of prospecting via the phone. Um, it is a, an extremely popular thing to do in the Washington, D.C. area, but it's popular for a reason, because it works. And so I time block that time as well. Um, two, three times a week, I time block off to do prospecting over the phone. Well, so given your limited time available for prospecting, how do you make it so you're focused on actually getting results opposed to just calling it in or just focusing on contacts? I mean, this is something that it's, you know, you don't have all day to make your contacts. You're only scheduled to do your contacts during a certain amount of time, and you only have a certain amount of time every week that you can actually get results. So how how do you keep that intensity up after you've been in a normal job and have four kids and have all the other responsibilities? How do you do it? How do you get your mind in that zone to get results consistently, which you do? Sure. It's um it's definitely a mindset. Um, it's something that um, over the course of my 20, I'm 34 years old, over the co- course of my 20s and early 30s now that I've just kind of developed over time. Um, I am, Like I said, I am very structured. So um, Tuesdays, 7 to 9 p.m., I'm doing prospecting. Saturday morning, there's a three-hour wedge that I'm doing prospecting. Um, and I have times that I, that I have during the week that I do all my appointments in. And so I'm very proactive in giving uh, prospective leads and clients those times on when I'm available and letting them choose from two of them. Um, And I try to protect the rest of my calendar as much as possible. Um, You know, I don't want to embarrass you or make you uncomfortable, but listeners, and you know, Paul's earning hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. And he's doing that working at a a very uh, well-respected, in the position where he works, and obviously as a trusted real estate practitioner. He's able to balance all these things Paul, what does balance mean to you? Is that something that you're striving for? That's a lot of emphasis or even pressures put on um, you know, everyone nowadays to have balance in your life. What does that mean to you? Sure. I mean, I think balance is an, an admirable goal, right? You have to strive to be well-rounded and balanced. Um, on, a, on a constant basis, I'm checking on that. Like I kind of have like a mental running tab of those things, and I strive to surpass expectations in each of these different areas of my life. And I'm not always perfect, but um, actually, I actually recommend um, Zig Ziglar's Wheel of Life. So people can Google that, uh, Zig Ziglar's Wheel of Life. Um, and on a scale of 1 to 10, it ranks you, um, and, it act- and, and you can kind of put in where you think you are in each of the areas in your life. And it shows you your flats, and so the wheel won't necessarily turn of life if, uh, if you're completely flat in certain areas. So I'm always trying to push those numbers to the outer edge to round out my wheel and to be um, as balanced as possible. Um, but I don't think it's ever perfect. Um, and I, I really just give the attention where it's most needed um, at that time and, and do the best I can. Um, but with that being said, I I'm, I'm, I'm really am focused on success, uh, both in my professional job and in real estate and in my family life. And those are my three my three pillars of what um, what are most important to me, and I'm always trying to move the ball forward in those arenas. I appreciate that, and, and you know that's the truth. What what you said about balances, and you know the, you're 34 years old. When you're 54 years old, or 64 years old, or 74 years old, the things that you're prioritizing, um, you know, might shift, and there's nothing wrong with that. But at this time, at this point in your life, obviously focusing on those three things 
that really is the essence of what it makes, uh, what it takes to be successful. You know, and, and it's hard. I think a lot of people get confused about that whole balance thing. It's something I. It's a recurring theme with real estate agents in particular. They feel, you know, they feel really confused about like working and earning money, and you know, I'm neglecting my family. And I, I hope what everyone's hearing is that here you have somebody. See, it's funny, real estate agents. You guys have control of your schedules, and you obviously get done what you're going to get done in the course of a day. Whereas Paul, in his job, you know, he has to. He is accountable. Upwards and downwards. He has constant pressures on what he's doing. He has, he has 50 people that um, are accountable to him. And, you know, he is able still, even with that level of pressure that he has, hopefully I'm not freaking you out saying pressure all this, all this many times, Paul, he's still able to find time to focus on his real estate business and do it at a high level. So, Paul, do you, do you have the ambition of quitting your job? and just becoming a full-time real estate agent. That's one of the things I also hear a lot of times when we do free coaching calls. Uh, at this point in my life, I do not. Um, I'm actually just as driven in my professional life as I am in real estate. Um, the job that I hold right now, uh, managing this many people, is usually reserved for someone who is 15, 20 years my senior. Um, so I have risen qu quickly in the corporate world as well. And a lot of the same philosophies the same um, talents that I use uh, to be successful in real estate are the same that I use to uh, win in the corporate world as well. Does one, does the fact that you're doing both, does it actually enhance both in maybe not so obvious ways? I think it does because it makes me really focus on the portions of both businesses that are most important. So I think a lot of times people may have more free time than they realize and they spend too much time being really unproductive at the things that don't really matter. Hmm, interesting. Give me a for example. What have you seen? I'm curious. Um, sure. From a real estate perspective, I don't waste a lot of time on buying leads, on social media, um, those type of things. I really am focused on the high-dollar value targets, uh, lead follow-up, uh, making sure that I'm doing my phone calls, making sure little things too, uh, writing thank you notes, um, to former clients and sphere of influence folks and things that I enjoy doing but at the same time provide value back to my business. And I think folks, when they have a lot more free time, sometimes get lost in those other things that aren't really providing value back to their business. You know, that's really well said. And it, it's like the whole idea of you get a lot more done if you know you have to catch a plane tomorrow at noon, you know. So all of a sudden, magically, you're able to get all this stuff done that normally would have taken a week. You're pretty much constantly in that state. And as a result of that, when you do focus on your real estate business, you're just, okay, I'm, I'm, okay that's social networking, Facebooking, joining this group and chatting with these people is not going to put uh, money in my pocket and you're not going to put me in a position to help folks. And so that's what the mindset is that I hope all of you guys are taking away. It's not that you don't have enough time. It's just that you maybe need to consider that how you're, the utilization of the time that you have. Um, you know what? That's so true with all aspects of life, though, isn't it? So looking back at the start of your real estate career when you were a new agent, what would you have spent more time on? What would you have not done at all in retrospect? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I think I would have really um, professionalized my business sooner. Um, so when I first started in the business, I really was focused on just people I knew. Um, I think what most agents would, with most agents do is they just tell their sphere of influence that they're licensed and, uh, you know, they may get a few deals off of that. Um, and then a lot of the folks who are, uh, great with people, they just rely on their personality and they rely on their natural ability 
in hopes of closing uh, closing leads into clients. And I really wish I would have put a little more structure and a little more professionalism around my business uh, sooner. What would you have specifically done different? You said structural and professionalism. Can you give the listeners, for folks that are, you're inspiring, you're motivating right now, somebody who is in the same position as you were back when you were getting started, wanted to pursue real estate, had a passion for it, but at the same time had a great job and were excelling at that as well. So what specific, like three to five things, would you say, these are the absolute things that you need to focus on and maybe the rest of it's just noise? Or maybe it's just one to two things. Sure. So I definitely heavily relied on my personality, on on my social contacts to get business in the first few years that I was a licensed agent. And now that I'm leveraging pre-listing packages and some scripts, I'm a lot more polished and professional, um, but I can also still mix in that that kind of heavy extrovert personality, uh, connecting with people, forming authentic relationships, which I really like to do, uh, along with the professionalism of pre-listing packages and scripts. Um, I'm pretty lucky. I never got sucked into kind of buying leads or doing massive direct mailing campaigns. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I really did rely on my personality to win uh, business. And and now I walk in and I have the personality and the, you know, the laid out expectations of how my business goes and the pre-listing packages and the polishing of uh, utilizing of the scripts. And I think all those things together have just been a big win for my business. Well, so let's be honest. The fact that you do have a professional pre-listing package, the fact that you do approach the listing presentation with an a professional, you know, scripted, you know, uh, approach, that does make you different than even the realtors that might consider themselves seasoned, veteran, grizzled, top-producing whatnots, because you do take a professional approach. That in itself is the differentiator a lot of times in the seller's eyes, isn't it? It definitely is, no doubt. And they say that to you. I mean, they've actually said, we've been, we're interviewing other realtors, and you're the only one that's sent ahead of time the pre-listing pack. You're the only one that's taken a professional approach. And like you said, Paul, you're in a ridiculously competitive market, probably one of the top, I don't know, five most competitive real estate markets in the country, one of the best places in the country, if not, you know, let alone the world, to sell real estate, no doubt, because of all the high you know, sale prices and all the you know, transfers in and outs and all the rest of it. Um, and there are tons of people prospecting. There are tons of people that are uh, pursuing expires and FISBOs or what we like to call them un- unrepresented sellers. Uh, and yet you differentiate yourself. So what are the other ways that you make it so you stand out in the eyes of the sellers? So outside of just the, the kind of polished professionalism, there, there are kind of two reasons that I think I'm successful. It's one, um, I generally come across as an authentic person. Um, I'm very genuine. Um, there's no BS or salesy type feel to me. Um, it's something that um, I was made aware of kind of early in my life that I just come across to people very authentic and real. Um, and I definitely leverage that. I don't abuse it, but I leverage it. Um, and I'm also consistent. I do what I say I'm going to do, and I'm constantly trying to push forward. Uh, the ball always doesn't. The ball or the ball doesn't always move quickly. I'm not always trying to push extremely. Uh, quickly to be successful, but it never stops moving forward. The ball never stops. Momentum never stops. I'm always moving further and further, closer and closer to my goals. Well, you either have positive momentum or you have negative momentum. I mean, you know, you're either moving forward or you're moving back. You can't stay the same. It just doesn't work like that. So you said authentic conversations, and you've used the word authentic now twice, and that's something that I want to share with our listeners, something that you did. Um, 
on my first Father's Day, you were one of the few people that put two and two together. It's Father's Day. I know Tim's. Uh, uh, this is his first Father's Day, and you sent me a very nice, authentic communication. And I thought that was really sweet. You know, outside of family, nobody did that. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And I brought that to your attention. And so the reason I'm bringing that up is I want the listeners to understand what authentic communication means, uh, but also how you actually do it. Explain to them what that actually means and how you do it. Give them some examples. I just gave them one. Sure. So, I mean, well, first of all, I want to I want to just say you, the fact that uh, Julie and and you have uh, adopted is is fantastic, and uh, I definitely admire that. Uh, as someone who has four naturally born children, um, it, it, sh- it takes an even bigger heart, I think, to to adopt. Um, so, first of all, big shout out to you guys for doing that. Um, but when it comes to authentic relationships, it really is just getting outside of yourself and thinking about what that person across the table or that person in the meeting across from you is thinking about um, and, and how you're being perceived and, and, and just being real with that person, sharing. A lot of it, too, is just putting yourself out there and being real and sharing your life experiences and being a little vulnerable. Um, but at the same time, it's uh, it's follow up, you know. So, and and I'm a very analytical person, Tim, as you know. Um, so, uh, a lot of the structure I put around things, um, I do consistently. So, uh, if I have a listing appointment or um, I have a, a a great meeting with someone for the first time, I'll follow up with a handwritten note. I mean, people don't do that anymore. Um, if I have their address, I will send them a handwritten note saying, "Hey, great to meet you. Great to hear about you know X, Y, and Z in your life." Uh, I wish you the best moving forward. Let's get together again soon. Um, you know, that, that's just something that I've put in as a system, something I consistently do. Um, and I, it's not fake. It's real. Uh, it, I have real conversations with people. I always say like 80% of the conversation I have with people is probably professional. The other 20% is centered around their life, what's going on with them. And it's a lot of just simple questions. How was your weekend? Uh, you know, so I heard your mom was sick. How's your mom doing? Um, it's just taking a little bit of time to separate the professional side and look at the person who's across from you as a person. Well, you're basically focusing on being of service and you're present with the person while you're having communication. And opposed to thinking about what you're going to say next, you're actually listening and you're showing that you're listening because you're asking questions that reinforce what they were just telling you. I mean, those. so, so when we say we have to be my coaching mind always clicks in gear, right? When I see, hear someone say something like, I am authentic, and I, that's the feedback I get from folks, I always like to try to break it down so other people can learn from that and emulate that. So, guys, that's a for example. And, and Paul, I appreciate you being honest uh, about that. So here's an interesting question for you. Um, what has coaching meant to you? Well, coaching's been huge. So there's no doubt that coaching has completely changed my mindset and polished my professionalism in the real estate field. Um, just a little bit of background on my business. So I started my company in 2009, um, in the fall of 2009. And if you know anything about the D.C. market and the general market in the United States in 2009, it was arguably the worst time <laughs> to start a real estate business. Um, but from 2010, uh, which was the first full year for True North Realty, to 2013, my business was very consistent, multi-million dollar sales club worthy, uh, but more or less had plateaued and more or less had stayed the same. Um, and to make it worse, 20, the beginning part of 2014 started off very, very slow for me. The winter months were terrible. Uh, and I also felt like I didn't really have anyone to hold me accountable but me. 
And as a successful small business owner, I also felt a little bit lonely, no one really to talk to or share experiences with. So I started to kind of go on a journey or a search in the early part of 2014, and I investigated everything from consultants to looking at mastermind groups. I interviewed coaches, both real estate coaches and just life and business coaches. Um, and I just settled on all the available options that coaching was probably the best for me. How many people um, did you talk to, Paul? I don't even, Paul, I didn't even know this. How many people did you talk to before you hired us? Oh, I talked to all the big names. Um, um, and, and obviously, uh, and obviously I settled on you, Tim. We had a great discussion. I, I definitely felt the click the second we talked. Um, Why? You asked, Why? So that's, that's a great question. Um, so you asked me questions and focused on different parts of my business that the other coaches didn't. So when I talked to other coaches um, and they knew I was a broker of a small business, uh, they started to focus in on, well, you need to grow a team. You need to have more agents. Uh, that'll be more passive for you. Um, you know, you need to quit your full-time job. You're doing great in real estate already. You need to quit your full-time job. And none of those things really, really resonated with me. Um, and when we first talked, it was a great mixture, to be honest with you, of pre-qualifying me as a potential coaching client, but also a, a great mixture of asking the right questions and giving me different answers. So you told me, you don't need to quit your full-time job. You're very, very successful there. I think within the, within the uh, time that you have allotted to put towards your real estate business, you're already doing really great. And I think if we focus you even more, you can grow your business using different, you know, using different philosophies and systems. Um, and then at some point future, you can have the choice on whether or not you want to work full-time or not. But for now, I wouldn't quit and I would move forward. And there was something new and fresh that none of the other coaches had told me. Authentic, right? I mean, that's really what the bottom line. It's Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It's good feedback. I appreciate that. And it's funny, I didn't know you'd uh, put us through the interviewing gauntlet with, with all the competitors, but that's good to know. <laughs> well, I um, mean, uh, I, am a, I am a very analytical person coming out of the software development. I shouldn't be surprised. Well. You're right. <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised. You're right. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about when you're off track. Because, you know, you do get off track occasionally. It's natural. It's normal. We're not all machines, right? It's not just a function of loading in the coaching software and do this, do that. You know, how, what works for you as far as motivation? How do you get yourself back on track when you kind of, you know, lose focus? And I'm going to give you credit, Paul, and I mean this sincerely. You don't ever lose focus in the sense of where the hell am I doing or why am I doing it or da 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 But when you just go little, you just need a slight directional change, and I need to get you pointed back towards true north, pun intended. What works for you and what doesn't? I mean, what? So, and again, I'm asking you to share with that. It's kind of a personal question, but with the listeners, because a lot of them get off track and they don't have the amount of stuff you've got going on in the course of the day. So, what keeps you on track? Uh, I think what keeps me on track is is just looking looking a little bit long term and and knowing that I have goals for myself and for my family and where we want to be. Um, yeah, there's definitely times between between my quote-unquote day job and just doing the daily operations of real estate, right? Trying to make sure everything's scheduled for home inspections and uh, following up on appraisal and, and title searches and those type of things that, uh, you know, that maybe my lead generation falls off a little bit more than I'd like it to. Um, but there's a couple of things that, that allow me to, to stay on track is one is just setting those goals. Um, I actually have my goals uh, on the wall in, in the master bedroom, along with a thankfulness board. I'm really big on waking up with the right mindset and being thankful for what uh, has been given me in my life. 
um, those two things are side by side. And uh, if, if, uh, if life gets crazy, I kind of take an extra 30 seconds. I take a look at those, at those two things, um, and it kind of resets me. Um, and obviously working with you as a coach has been helpful as well. Uh, you call me, call me on it when I'm, when I'm slipping away and off the track and, uh, and bring me right back to center. Um, but at the same time, it, you know, I really do enjoy what I do. Um, real estate allows me to be very extroverted and service oriented. And those are the things that I like to do to impact as many people's lives as possible. Paul, you don't have to sell real estate. You, you do very well at your normal job. You could, and, and frankly, you've been, and I'm not going to tell anyone on the radio show, certainly, but you've done very well financially, personally. You've been very responsible. Anybody looking in on you would say, this guy is ridiculously successful um, at such a young age, and yet you desire for more. You have goals that you're focused on. You're doing things that are um, out of the ordinary. Why? Um, so I kind of have a mantra uh, that I was put here to, to be the best version of myself. And so um, I don't know what that best version is. I don't think there's an end to that. Um, so I'm constantly evaluating where I am in life and how I can push forward in, in these different arenas, um, whether it be professional in, in my day job, whether it be in real estate, whether it be in my family life, whether it be spiritually, whether it be um, – you know, just in my personality or how I interact with people. Um, you know, I, I'm very pragmatic, um, and it hasn't been something that I was born with. It's just something that over the course of the last 15 years that I've just implemented. Um, being an analytical person, systems make sense to me. And when people tell me, you know, networking or meeting people is not systematic, I, I just don't agree with that. Um, but mm -hmm. I, am, I am very driven. Uh, I do. I do look at all areas of my life. I'm constantly evaluating it, um, and I'm and I'm doing the best I can to be in the moment. I think that's a discussion we had a little bit earlier in the interview. But being in the moment is so important, not to be distracted. Um, and you'll you'll see the more value you provide back into the systems or the opportunities you have to interact with people on a daily basis, the more your business is going to grow. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of agents looking for coaches. The real estate economy, you know, words out. We're in the beginning stages of a new real estate boom, thank God, right? Eight to ten, seven to ten, you know, years. How long it'll last, we don't know. But the fact is, is that the market is definitely back. And a lot of agents are shopping for coaching, wanting direction, tired of the whole buying lead, you know, dogma, realizing that at the end of the day, it's skills that matter. And really, there's two courses that most of the coaching and training that's out there, it's, they all call, it's all called coaching, but the reality of it is the vast majority of it is training, where they just kind of tell you what to do and how to do it, where we take a more holistic approach, um, where we do combine, and I'm apprehensive in saying this, but it is true, we do combine a lot of life coaching in with the practical skills. Is that, that, that had to have played in your decision to hire us, um, and especially after you compared us to the competitors, and I'm not certainly wanting to make this into a spiel, but the point is, is the life coaching aspect, could you be successful, as successful as you are, without that aspect of it if it had just been training that we were offering? No, I would, I would not have signed up. Like I, in every part of my life, again, I'll say it, 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 may, it may be 80% professional interaction, but, but the, people, the, the things that people often remember is the 20%, the 20% of how you made them feel the 20% of how you interacted with them and, and let your guard down a little bit on, on the, on the personal side. And, and we've shared that during our coaching portions. And uh, you, as, as you know, 
uh, the portion of my life that I don't have control over, I didn't up till a couple of years ago, was my weight. Um, I weighed 270 pounds at the beginning of 2014. And um, I had done a little bit to uh, work some of that off before you and I started coaching, but that's a good two or three minutes of our coaching conversation is just making sure that I'm still on track in that area of my life as well. Can we tell them about that? Because it's kind of funny. I'd be happy to tell them about that. Sure. Okay. Well, so I, you know, I knew Paul was trying to lose some weight. It's not weight's not the topic of our conversations. We focus primarily on, you know, what we can do to help our coaching students get into action, make money, and you know, help others. And that's the primary focus of what we do. And I, Paul was setting his goals and doing his business plan for the for this year. And weight was an issue. And so I asked him about it. And, and it's and we, I think, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, but we did kind of discovered that Paul was using weight as kind of, or I'm sorry, food as kind of an unofficial award for his, um, his work. I mean, he was kind of using uh, food as a way of, um, essential, I mean, you, you use your own words, Paul. I don't want to uh, put words in your mouth. But here's what we did. We discovered, and Paul worked through it. He admitted it. He owned it. He took responsibility for it. It wasn't a big you know, deal for him to come to terms with it. And then he told me his wife is this beautiful, svelte gal who's in great shape. And, you know, and so I went online and I found a picture of Jabba the Hutt from Star Wars where Princess Leia was chained to Jabba the Hutt. And I sent it to him and uh, I got a chuckle out of it, I think. And I hope Paul did. But the reality of it was, is after that, he flipped a switch and you created a little acronym to remind yourself. Can you, so pick it up from there. Sure. Uh Quit choosing to be fat is what I is what I wrote down on the board, and I just put the acronym down because I really don't want my kids to be reading that. But I put the acronym down, uh, which doesn't spell anything, but who cares? Um, and I and I kind of reset myself in that in that part. And you're spot on. Uh, I was using um, food and just calories in general, whether it be soda or whatever else, um, as as kind of my one free space in life. Right? I'm intensely structured in the rest of my life. When it comes to professionalism, when it comes to my family, when it comes to real estate, I'm very, very structured. And that was the one part of my life that I wasn't. I just let it go. That was the time. That was the part of my life and, and that I just let let be free or, or run wild, whatever you know, whatever you want to use as the example for that. Um, and so I, I put some systems in place for that as well. And you know, I'm happy to say over over the course of the last. Uh, the last seven weeks, I've lost 20 pounds just by changing my diet alone, not changing my exercise routine, just by changing my diet. Um, and I'm extremely motivated by that. Um, again, I'm, I'm pragmatic. I'm analytic. So I have, I have a spreadsheet. I'm tracking it all. Um, I know when I'm going to get to my goal weight, and I know what I'm going to do when I get there. Well, so you said something, and one of the most important words that you used was choosing, right? Don't choose to be fat. And that's kind of the bottom line with all of this. It's sometimes, you know, agents, again, like the fact that they don't have a boss, they don't have a schedule. And so, in essence, by choosing to not have a boss or not be held to any level of accountability by themselves, you know, some very few people can actually be accountable themselves. Almost everyone needs external accountability. You know, it's, but even from that, it's a minority of people that will own that. It's a minority of people that will say, I need external accountability. But you know who the people are that do acknowledge that. They're the most successful people on the face of the earth. The people on the face of the earth that acknowledge the fact they need external accountability to accomplish the things they want in life are the business leaders, are the people that you're famous, are the people that are the you know, rock star athletes, right? So the human nature is when you have an, an external, someone holding you accountable to the goals that you set for yourself, the probability of you accomplishing those goals goes through the roof. 
Um, so choosing was the word that I really like to hear you say. So, Paul, you are choosing to be successful. You are choosing to build wealth for you and your family. You're making the choice that you're going to seize this opportunity, you know, life, but also this market, to make the most of it. And isn't that the essence? It's the word choice. 100%. And the, the other thing I'd piggyback on that is, is uh, there's a quote by uh, Jim Rohn. His last name is R-O-H-N. It's called, uh, he says, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I 100% believe that. The content that you're ingesting, you're reading, you're listening to, the people you're spending time with, they all heavily affect your life. And the more that you can clean out the garbage and clean out the people that are dragging you down and focus on your goals and and focus on the content and the people who are helping you reach those goals, the more successful you're going to be in life. Yeah, life is a blessing, and to let a day, let alone a, you know, let a moment, let alone a day go by, a month go by, a year go by, I don't know. I don't know why you do that. Especially, you know, we're it, this is such an, a brilliant time to be alive, a brilliant time to be in this real estate industry, a brilliant time. We're all so lucky. We're blessed, and not to see that as the opportunity that it is. I just don't get that. And you know, I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that um, we're at a blessed time, and maybe even you know, human history. I don't know, but the reality of it is, is Students, agents, everyone listening, there's over 100,000 of you that are most likely going to listen to this interview. You know, whether you sign up with us for coaching or not, honestly, it doesn't even really matter in the scheme of things. Just realize the fact that, you know, you only live once, you're dead a real long time. And so you might make make the most of your life this time around. Um, And that's what Paul's doing. Paul's showing you guys that you have more usable time to accomplish the things that are most important to you. Those of you who think that you have to sacrifice your family, God, anything like that, to be successful, uh, you're wrong. You don't. It's, it, you're just needing to learn how to utilize the time that you've been given at a higher level. For those of you who think that, well, you know, the only reason you ever want to earn a lot of money is because you have your priorities screwed up and you're greedy and all that, that's not true either. Listen to Paul. What's motivating him is wanting to provide for his family. He's wanting to earn a lot of money so he can improve the quality of life for his family. And I, you know, we didn't talk about it, but Paul's actively involved in his church and things like that. And those are important to him. Those items are important to, or those aspects of his life are very important to him as well. So, Paul, anything you'd like to say to our listeners as we round off today's interview? I've really liked it. It's gone in a direction I didn't think it would. It was kind of very somber and direct and very businesslike, but I wouldn't have expected any less from you. Um, but I've enjoyed it, man. And I love being your coach, honestly. You're fun because you have your head screwed on straight. You know, you're uh, you're self-motivated, which always is a good thing. And people like, you know, you get it. uh, And you're part of that special group of folks that, by the way, everyone can be part of this group. You know, everyone can have the qualities that Paul has. It all comes back down to that one word. That one word is choice. Choose it. Choose to be successful. Choose to live the life of your dreams. Choose to lose the weight. Choose to... You know, be a millionaire if that's what you what you desire. Make the choice and then have the courage to follow up with the actions. Paul, anything you'd like to say to all the listeners as we round off today's show? Uh, I think I just want to say keep the momentum going forward at all times. And you, I know everyone sets goals and they, they want to reach them, uh, whether they do that at the beginning of the year or whether they do that just in their business in general or their personal life. Set your goals. Move, constantly move them forward. Don't let the setbacks stop the momentum. Just keep the ball rolling, no matter how quickly or how slowly. Hey, man, I love this. You did a great job. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being my co-host today. Thanks, Tim. I really appreciate it, and uh, good luck, everybody, in your business in 2015.
Absolutely. And everyone else, if you need any help, if there's anything we can do for you, remember, go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. That's where Paul and I originally spoke, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Or you can just go over to our website, timandjulieharris.com, and see if one of our coaching programs is a good fit for you. In the meantime, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.